Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Last First Date Radio, featuring interviews with experts in dating, relating, and mating in midlife. And now, here's your host, Sandy Weiner. Hello, everybody. <clears throat> Sorry, I just got something caught in my throat. Welcome to Last First Date Radio. I am Sandy Weiner, and I am the founder of lastfirstdate.com. I am a dating coach for women over 40 who want to find epic love this time around. And I want to thank you for joining us today. Um, Just to note that this show is not just for single women over 40. It's for anybody over 40 who is either single or married um, or in a long-term relationship because what we do here at Last First Date Radio is share content that helps you to achieve healthy, off-the-charts love in the second half of life. And we have a wonderful show coming up for you today. I'm going to be speaking with licensed therapist and author Terry Gaspard about breaking the legacy of divorce. I am not only a dating coach, but I'm also a divorced single mom. And so I really love Terry, and I can't wait to hear what she's going to share about breaking the legacy of divorce, um, moving on to find love again and change the the legacy of divorce because often divorces do come one after the other in families. And um, and Terry just wrote a fabulous book that we are going to talk about. So as a dating coach myself, I specialize in helping women date as the high-value women that they are in every other part of their lives because I do believe that when somebody knows their true value, they attract their most aligned and best partner. And, I, you know, your, your self-esteem matters in how you choose a partner. Most women who come to me for support are amazing mothers if they have, if they have children and especially incredible at work, but when it comes to romantic relationships, they struggle. And many times it's because they're so successful at work that they end up struggling in dating. And so one of the mistakes that I see happening over and over again, and I speak from my own experience in this, is that if you are alpha, successful, really competitive and aggressive at work, you often show up in those same ways in your dating life and you sometimes don't even realize it. Often you don't realize it. And I had a client this morning whose language was just a little bit take charge, aggressive, I know better than you, without even meaning to. So when I work with a client, I help them to understand the things they can say or do that can change the outcome of their dating experience so they can find love again. And what I've done is I've taken the top three mistakes that midlife daters make uh, in dating and and I have shown how you can turn them around to find love. I've created a free guide that's available to you and you can get your copy by going to lastfirstdate.com you can sign up right there on my home page or pretty much any other page, but go to lastfirstdate.com and grab a copy. It's my gift to you to learn the top three mistakes that midlife daters make and how you can turn them around to find lasting love. Also, if you are a woman over 40, I want you to uh, 
come to my new Facebook group. It's called Your Last First Date. So you go to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Your Last First Date. This is for single women over 40 because I want you to go on Your Last First Date. Um, Just a note about the group. It's growing every day. We have the most dynamic discussions there about how to find a healthy relationship. So anything that comes up in your dating life where you don't know where to turn to get really solid, sound advice, uh, join me here at Your Last First Date. I am <clears throat> I am very active in the group. I um, want to give a shout-out to our sponsor, audibletrial.com forward slash last first date. So Audible, Audible is a fabulous company. I'm sure most of you have heard of Audible. If you love to read and you don't always have time to read, this is a great way to consume books. Um, you just get an audio book, and audibletrial.com uh, forward slash last first date will get you a free month of Audible plus one free book of your choice. And they have over 180,000 books to choose from. So go to audibletrial.com forward slash last first date. And now I'm going to introduce my wonderful guest today. Her name is Terry Gaspard. She is a licensed therapist and she specializes in divorce, children and families, as well as a nonfiction writer and college instructor. She's a regu- regular contributor to the Huffington Post divorced divorce vertical and to Divorce Moms and divorcemagazine.com. Terry wrote her new book, Daughters of Divorce, after watching many of her female patients struggling with the distinct emotional challenges from their parents' divorces and after experiencing it herself. It is a guide to help daughters of any age overcome the legacy of divorce so they can establish healthy, happy, long-lasting relationships. You can order the book on her website, movingpastdivorce.com. And now I would like to welcome Terry to the show. Hey, Terry. Hi, Sandy. How are you? I'm great. How are you, Miss Busy Lady, with your new Fantastic. book? Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Busier than ever. Yes, I can imagine. And and I know how hard it is to write a book because I've been writing about four of them in the in the last number of years, and and none of them are published yet. So. I know how hard you worked on this book, and I'm really interested in the topic, and I, I love the book. I think it's it's just so well-researched, and you really talk about so many parts of um, overcoming the issues that many, many daughters of divorce face. So before we get to the book, um, if you can just share what made you so interested in this topic. Well, growing up in a divorced family in Los Angeles was interesting because I grew up, as many of us did, in the culture of divorce. And so my family um, really minimized the experience that I had and my sisters had. I grew up in a very female-dominated family. I have three older sisters. And because I was pretty studious and obedient, always a people-pleaser, I went along okay for the most part, um, feeling like I I can, you know, manage this and put all my energies into school and friends. 
And then things kind of hit the wall for me, Sandy, when I was in high school and certainly in college, when I realized I had a very negative take on marriage, and I was skeptical about getting married or even forming any kind of commitment with any of the guys I was dating, but yet I had kind of a weird tendency to fling headlong into relationships and want that security of that nesting, you know, to be like, oh, you're mine and we're we're going to be together forever. So in most cases, I would form commitments too early, too soon with guys that were really the wrong match for me and ended up marrying one of them in my early 20s. And uh-huh. my ex-husband and I not only are complete opposites in every possible way, you know, we just, we never really um, had much in common, except that we, you know, we're lucky enough to have two great kids together. And I realized much later as a result of doing some research in graduate school in the mid-90s that I followed in a very similar pattern what my mother and father had done, and even my mother's parents and grandparents. Divorce really runs in my family, and and um, oh without even realizing it. So I said, oh, my God, here I am, a therapist, and I had already start, started writing some nonfiction articles about relationships, and I had so little awareness about how my past and my upbringing, what I call an unhealthy template for relationships, really impacted my choice in partners. And then really to cement things, Sandy, my own daughter, Tracy, who wrote the book with me, was noticing her tendency was not exactly the same, but she she realized that she had some views about love and, and trust and commitment that were different from some of her friends, and she wanted to explore that. So we literally sat down over a cup of tea Sunday after Sunday, starting about six, five, six years ago, figuring out what questions we could ask all these women that we wanted to interview. Fortunately, I'm a college teacher, so I have a lot of students to pull from. Mm. And I start, we started interviewing women, and most of the women we interviewed were young, early to mid-20s, some were a little older, and they all wanted to meet with us so many times. One interview wasn't usually enough. They wanted to meet with us because they wanted to tell us their story and learn some relationship tips. But we've, we discovered seven pathways, which we turned into the seven steps for a successful relationship. And it was so exciting to see the momentum building. Of course, with social media, I you know started connecting and Tracy and I started, you know, really being in touch with them on a regular basis and having seminars. And that's how the book was really developed. And it's been Mm. such an incredible journey. Well, you certainly took your past experience and you turned it around for yourself because you did forge a second marriage that was much, much more connected and healthier than the first. Definitely. Um, And and that's, that's commendable. Um, so the um you know just doing all this research and talking to all these women must have been so incredibly informative for you. Yes, for sure. I mean, some of the issues that they brought up were so close to my own heart, but really what happened is as I listened to their stories over many years, they really fine-tuned um you know what the issues were and they actually gave us strategies. Because some of the women um, that we talked 
to in the book, and all the names aren't their real names, they're fictitious, but Eliza, for instance, was able to say to her partner early on, I need to tell you exactly what I need to get over my trust issue with you, and if you don't overreact and make me feel like I'm crazy, then I can build trust with you over time, and I'll feel so much more confident, and I'll stop issuing you ultimatums every time we get in an argument. And those kinds of dialogues that we were having with the women, and in some cases they would bring their boyfriends and husbands to the meetings, were so incredible because in my former life I was a marriage counselor for a couple years. And I just realized that, you know, the dynamics between the couples were so similar to so many of the scenes that I had played out, even in my current marriage, where I start feeling like, well, I'm walking on eggshells sometimes. And this is this can't work out, you know. This marriage can't be solid because if it was, we wouldn't have so many conflicts that that go unresolved, and I wouldn't be feeling mistrustful. Then I realize it's not so much the feeling or the thought that you have that goes with it. It's it's how you change it around, and what kind of a mindset you have about it. And if you think of it as okay, this is the end. This isn't going to work out. Of course, you're doomed to fail. Whereas you see mm-hmm. it as, if you see it as pretty normal, okay, this is my unique take on things, and you have a partner who's willing to go the distance with you and reassure you and not make you feel like there's something wrong with you. That self-esteem button gets triggered sometimes. Mm-hmm. And then you can really see that not all conflicts are going to be worked out, but yet you have a way of dealing with them that's you know feels a lot a lot calmer, a lot more secure. So I started realizing as a result of all these interviews, Sandy, that there are really some tools. There are some steps. This doesn't have to be doom and gloom, you know, with the fact that daughters of divorce have twice the risk of divorce than their than their counterparts raised in non-divorced homes. They used to that statistic still just knocks me down, and I feel so pessimistic when I hear that. And yeah. so sometimes I just truly have to say that if I focus on the statistics and all the negative you know, publicity about divorce and how all relationships are going to end anyway, then what's, you know, I lose all sense of hope. But I believe our book is, is hopeful. I don't know how you felt in reading it. It's definitely hopeful, and it gives you direct tools, like you said. And I think that, you know, it's it's the work that I do, too, to give people the tools to change their destiny because we don't have these tools. We're not born with them. And even in homes where there wasn't divorce, there's usually not the healthiest communication. I mean, it's very rare for me to have met people who grew up in homes where they really want to model how their parents were. I mean, it's, exactly. you know, you've got yeah. to forge your own way. And, and you know, my, my experience with divorce with my parents was that they waited till we were all out of the house to get divorced. Yep. So I didn't experience what you did in terms of moving homes, which I think would have been very difficult because my parents really were on, they were just so different, and I don't think they would have negotiated that very well. But no. I have to be grateful for that. But I... I did hate the arguing, um, and it took a toll on us. And I, I, I sure. went to my mom when I was 16 years old, and I said, "Please leave. Like, 
I begged her to get divorced, and she thought I was yeah. crazy. And I said, you know, we I don't like living in this house. It's not fun. It's it's hard. You know, it's hard to hear you guys arguing all the time. And you know, when when I got divorced, I had a 16 year old daughter at the time, and my mom brought this up to me, and she said, "How would you have felt if your daughter had said that to you?" Mm. Um, you know, and I said I would have listened to her because I was smart. I was telling you the right thing. Anyway, um, <laughs> I I think we can Sorry. learn. And the by good the way, the bad. I, I I do feel yeah. some divorce need to happen. You know, so yeah. you know, I I don't I don't come down negative about divorce, but I do think if you can do a little, you know, preparation in advance as a young, you know, as a teenager and a young adult. You could be perhaps a little less likely to pick partners who aren't a good match for you and just be really going into relationships with your eyes wide open. I do agree with you, Sandy, that being in a high-conflict family also takes its toll. So all, every couple has to weigh, okay, is this, is this family dynamic here more detrimental to the children? And certainly me me being seven years old, when my parents split up, of course, for many people, including myself, became the most defining experience of my life because of living in the two homes and constant moves and warring between my stepmother and my mother and so on and so forth. On the other hand, there's a lot of resiliency there. I'm an incredible yes. multitasker. <laughs> yes, you are. And you look, you survived without even realizing the toll it took until college, until you were older and yeah. realized your experience with men was very different. And I you know, I could relate to many, many things that you said in the book and I love that you have reflections at the end of every chapter as to how the chapter resonated with and affected how the you know the the research that you did for that chapter really affected both you and your daughter and both of you reflect reflecting i really love that part a lot i think that you. you know you well you showed your vulnerability and you bring up vulnerability later on in the book as one of the most key things in having a healthy relationship so could you speak to that a little bit more Oh, yes. that's Oh, boy. I started reading about vulnerability a number of years ago, particularly reading Brene Brown's book, who many uh-huh. of us in our field, Sandy, really admire her. And when yes. I first started reading more about vulnerability, I thought, you know, I'm pretty open. I'm pretty honest uh, about my emotions. I'm a therapist. And then it hit me like a ton of bricks. I am with my female friends. You know, keep in mind, I grew up with sisters. And I'm pretty much there with my kids. I'm close to my three children. But I really hadn't mastered it in terms of a romantic partner because of that fear of abandonment that not all daughters of divorce have as strongly as I do and some others. But many of us feel like if we are truly genuine, if we say exactly what we feel, we run the risk of being rejected and losing out on love. Mm-hmm. And yet what I learned through all the interviews and reading Dr. Brown and other authors was that you really can't have intimacy and trust someone unless you are willing to take that risk to be your authentic self. Mm-hmm. So for me, I was authentic with most aspects of my life, and yet... 
at work, I had a certain, you know, with my clients, of course, as a therapist, you know, totally open yourself up. You know, it's not a personal type relationship. But with my close friends, I've always been able to be vulnerable and with my children, but not really with my <coughs> husband or husband. And so it's been a really incredible learning experience where my my husband um, and I have been married for, boy, almost 20 years. And I've seen the changes in our relationships our relationship to each other and also to the children and how I think we're just, we're a lot easier on each other now. He's he's grown accustomed to the fact that I might issue an ultimatum here and there, which I really don't mean, you Uh know, and that's when I get to the point where I've just said, I don't think I can do this anymore. And it's, it's that early wound. It's that feeling of hurt that gets triggered in me that many daughters of divorce can relate to where Uh it feels too hard, and yet if I can work through that and calm myself down a little bit, I realize it is difficult to resolve conflicts. It's hard being vulnerable and running the risk of being rejected, but it truly is worth it in the long run. Absolutely, and I have come to understand that too, especially through reading Brene Brown's work. And I think you gave a perfect example before when you talked about the woman who talked about building trust with her partner and having Mm -hmm. that really vulnerable conversation of saying, you know, if you're going to be reactive and shut me down, this isn't going to work. Um, You know, I... It's one of the things I teach my clients. It's it's like a passion of mine to have this kind of compassionate communication because when we learn to be fully expressed, we are being authentic. We're being aligned with who we truly are instead of stuffing our emotions, which is what the people pleaser in us <laughs> does. You know, we don't want to feel yep. that people don't like us, so they're going to reject us. And right. but boy, when you tell the truth and somebody accepts you, that is so much deeper and more meaningful. Definitely. Yeah. <coughs> I'm sorry. I've Could I tell you another story? Because sure. I know your readers probably enjoy stories. Um, uh-huh. It's about trust and vulnerability, so it kind of goes along with what we're talking about. Uh-huh. There's a couple in the book, Jenna and Trevor, who she had so many trust issues. I call it the Valentine's Day story, Sandy, because her uh-huh. father left her mother on Valentine's Day and went to a neighborhood party with another woman, with his, with his uh, mistress. And uh-huh. because he had a close relationship with his daughter, he told her all the details of this affair. And she had incredible trust issues when she starting at the time she when she was 14 years old and realized her dad had been having this affair and left really suddenly on Valentine's Day and she had a lot of inappropriate relationships with men for years she was picking guys that were not a good you know not good for her they they took advantage of her they were not you know treating her with respect some of them were abusive then she just picked up her bags and she left the state where she lived. She moved to another state. She decided she'd take a chance on college. Her family was not college educated. And she met the man who's now her current husband, her husband, who was her boyfriend at the time when we first met. And she found in him a solace. She found in him a comfort that she'd never felt before. Yet she still had lingering feelings of trust where she would scan his text messages, you know, if she would be, if he'd be on the computer and, you know, he was, 
you know, chatting with someone or doing something online, she'd be suspicious. She'd get that fight or flight thing, which I get, where you feel like you just have to leave. You can't uh-huh. stand it anymore. You got to do something like going and, you know, go in a car or <laughs> on an airplane or whatever. And through his gentle reassurance and loving ways and his willingness to accept her mistrustful thoughts, which most of them were based on the past in her case. They were based Uh on what happened with her father leaving her mother in such a dramatic way and also her former partners, you know, were either abusive or unfaithful for the most part. They stuck it out. They went to marriage counseling several times, and it's been about five and a half years now. Um, They now just had their second child, and they communicate a lot with me online, and they love the book. They're in the book. They're in many chapters, and it's it's just a really great story about resilience and working through trust issues. Yeah, I love this. I love that story, and I liked when she saw the message from a woman, and she freaked out on him and left, and yeah. then they worked it through. So it's, I have seen this, and you know, we talk a lot in my work through uh, about triggers. Because uh, our triggers are those past things that have nothing to do with the person in front of us. And so we need to work those out. So there's there's the yours, mine, and ours. You know, there's your stuff, there's my stuff, and then there's the mm-hmm. stuff that actually happens between us that we do need to work out. And, yeah. you know, if you're, if you're really reactive, it's good to take a look within and say, well, what's this about? Because it's usually not about that person. And that's a great way to keep pushing people away who really are loving, incredible partners, um, you know. And so it's this is such an important story because it shows that with the right work, you can make a relationship that is very different from her parents' relationship, and, and she is forging a really healthy relationship, which is great. Um, exactly. so, so let's talk about some other steps about um, that adult children can take to establish happy, healthy lasting relationships and break the cycle of divorce? Sure. Well, we've talked about gaining more awareness, you know, and learning Mm -hmm. how your unhealthy patterns that you grew up with, you know, may have impacted your choice in partners and that kind of weird mix, you know, of kind of avoiding healthy relationships because, you know, they don't feel comfortable or familiar and being attracted to unhealthy. And then the second step, which I wrote about, in the chapter goes from the past was really forgiving yourself and other people primarily your parents it's not just your fathers in my case my mother um and I had a close relationship but she you know she made a lot of decisions that were very uncomfortable for me and we I had some wounds there so basically going back and learning that forgiveness doesn't mean con- condoning your parents behavior but just basically giving it less power over your life. And I have a lot of great exercises exercises rather in that chapter um, goes from the past on how to be able to do that based on Luskin's work. He did a lot of really great writing about forgiveness. So mm-hmm. I really went off into some, I think, some really healing pathways in, in that um, area. And then next, the chapter on building trust. Of course, the first step is really trusting yourself. You know, mm-hmm. and being better able to trust your own instincts and figuring out, as we just discussed, Sandy, how much of your trust, mistrust is based on your past and how much 
is present, and and that takes time. But over time, you can really learn to extend trust to to someone who who is trustworthy. If they haven't given you any reason to you know doubt them, you know if they're pretty consistent with what they say and what they do, then you really have to try to take a chance, or else you're always going to be stuck with being miserable yourself or avoiding relationships. I I met a lot of women who just had a heart of stone. They really didn't even uh-huh. want to try to give a love a chance anymore because they had such intense trust issues. Most of the women, by the way, that I met that had the most significant trust issues had very damaged relationships with their fathers. Yeah. Um, so that's where I decided to write the chapter on the father-daughter relationship. And that's not true for all daughters of divorce, but many of them felt very um, rejected by their dads. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's certainly, if you do have a damaged relationship with one or both of your parents, trying to either work on that or come to a place of acceptance about it. One of the lead stories in the book, Catherine, who ended up being in the last chapter, Breaking the Legacy, had never resolved all of her issues with her father because he was unwilling to do so. But she had been in therapy and worked through them through writing letters and talking to other family members. So a lot of women, you know, over my website and over social media will say, how how do I do that if I'm not in touch with my father or, in some cases, mother? Mostly it's the dads, but sometimes moms. I, if I don't see them, if I don't talk to them. So I do offer some creative ways to do that in the chapter on the father-daughter uh, relationship, whether they're, mm-hmm. it's a damaged relationship or, in some cases, a missing relationship. Right. And then, you know, really looking at how, different ways to resolve conflict. That that I talk a lot about that in the book, and I forgot to mention self-esteem. We do have a chapter on that because for many daughters of divorce, not all, but many of us do feel a sense of um, shame. We still, we still have some of that which we internalize, some of the negativity of things that happened in our families. And we have to work um, on ways to repair that and to, you know, not define ourselves, you know, through what, what happened in our families that we grew up with. And some of that shame and that low self-esteem really carries on in relationships. And women that have that have a tendency to settle for relationships that are less than what they deserve. Right. So we talk a lot about that. Um and we have that chapter on vulnerability. It's important to, in that chapter, we talk about different ways to work on resolving conflicts, being, you know, more authentic with yourself and your partner. And the the second to last, well, the last step in the the chapter is in the chapter on making a commitment. And that gives you smart ways to think about love and commitment, not to rush into relationships, because many daughters of divorce Divorce tend to be leery of commitment, and yet they do tend to rush things and often will, you know, become too deeply committed. In some cases, like myself, even marry people that they haven't really known that long. Uh-huh. Um, so it's best to wait until you're at least in your late 20s, early 30s to form commitments that are lifelong. And, to, you know, we give you some, some different steps to how to kind of gauge if the relationship is a good one for you, and to not jump into a committed relationship just because you're afraid of being single. 
Yeah, I love that chapter because it's it's really step by step. And and one of the best things in your book, I think, is that you give actionable steps all along the way with that are so fantastic. So it's such a great resource. And um, and so tell our tell our listeners again where they can find your book. Well, the, our book, Daughters of Divorce, is available through Amazon. You can buy it on at Barnes & Noble at the store itself or barnesandnoble.com. Most of the indie bookstores, the independent ones also have it. But to make things easy for you, you can just log right onto our website, movingpastdivorce.com, and there's a link right there on the home page that takes you to a page where you do have all those booksellers that I've mentioned, um, and you can buy it right there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Terry, for coming on the show again. Uh, we've had you before, and it's always a really informative time with you. And best of luck selling this book and spreading the word of how people can break the legacy of divorce. Thank you so much. It's been my pleasure, Sandy. Thank you. And thanks, everybody, for listening today. And I hope you all go on your last first date very soon. Have a great day. Thank you.